Welcome to the Smartest Amazon Seller Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Needham, Amazon seller for almost a decade, a few months shy of that. And uh, and the goal of this podcast today is we're going to I'm going to talk with someone that uh, takes brands from millions to more millions. So, uh, you know, works with brands that have like, that are doing more than 10 million on Amazon and uh, being creative and investing and figuring out what it takes for them to get the next level. I have with me the uh, founder, Jason Landro of Nectar. Jason, welcome. Thank you very much for having me. It's great to be here, Scott. All right. All right. So you've as you've exited a brand. Uh, yeah. you, you sold a brand um, uh, early 2020. And uh, was this a was this a Amazon focused like private label brand? Like, did you have any outside, or was, are we talking just Amazon FBA? Yeah, so it was, it was actually one a one hundred percent focused on Amazon brand, um, and and we were doing kidding variety packs and bulk quantities in food uh, under our own private label at the time that you know kind of these variety snack box were all the rage. Yeah, yeah. Were you using some uh, branded products for to to build out this private label? Yeah, so that's exactly what we were doing. We had agreements with manufacturers that we could sell their items as part of the kit on yep. Amazon, but yep. couldn't sell them uh, direct. And that's actually yep. how we started our our agency. I think. I think. Uh, do you still think it's a good business model? It's tough because it, at at scale it can be, and then there's ways to do it monetize it off Amazon, um, but you need money and you need multiple product lines. It's very risky if you're just doing, you know, one, you know, let's just say paleo or our, our box is a number one selling keto snack box. Um, so it can be very risky if you're just doing one and it's hard to really get compound growth. What, what, what's the biggest risk? Um, you have to carry a lot of inventory. It's labor intensive. And then the margins are still not much better than traditional food because you can only mark it up so much without people getting upset that they're like overpaying for the convenience of variety. Yeah. Uh, you would think, uh, yeah, I mean, there's, there, there's, there's a lot there. Um, I've looked into kidding a lot and that specific, I, I find a lot of interesting products there. For example, like if you were to look at pinata stuffer, you know, the number one, like all it is, is just people uh, doing something similar. They're, they're packaging up a lot of different uh, flavors of candy and like, you know, juicing the Amazon algorithm and uh, they get there. So, um, yeah, I think the caveat caveat is it depends on what you're kidding. Um, the more expensive it gets for commodity like items the more you risk getting trashed for being overpriced. Whereas if it's something that isn't a consumable and is more of a giftable item, it isn't like food, um, you have more leeway to price it up and have better margin to account for the increased overhead and buying all those products to then kit them, at, at buying each product in enough volume to be able to kit them. And then I'll, obviously the labor to repack everything. Um, so there, there are some subtle nuances that can make all the difference. Yeah. Well, um, it's a business model I haven't tried. I've seen a lot of interesting things out there. I think it's one of the, when you see it work well, you're like, oh, wow, that's that's creative. Um, but then you, you exited it. Two years later, do you have any uh, regrets or, uh, or do you feel like it was like the right move? 
it was totally the right move at the right time. Um, Good. There was a lot of instability in the market at the time. There are actually some businesses that ended up going out of suppliers that we were buying from that went out of business. Like they just, like Stokovars, I remember it was one of them. Um, just they closed up seemingly overnight. Um, and then there were a lot more competitors entered the market, uh, which, you know, forced price competitiveness. So yeah. we got out at the right time. Okay, good. Um, then what led you to, you know, going back into the, you know, you know, that's the point of an exit. You don't have to actually go back into Amazon, but you saw an opportunity. Um, uh, what decision processes led to like Nectar and the story you have today? I mean, you guys have 30 plus employees. We actually have 60 plus. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, well, well, you have about 20 that haven't updated their LinkedIn profile. So, yeah, you know, uh, <laughs> I'm teasing. Yeah, no, that's, that's always a challenge. Um, so actually it started while we were doing the kidding. Um, the first snack box we did was an unhealthy snack box. And we lost a good $25,000 on that product because one day Amazon went from enforcing the dated expiration, not enforcing the dated expiration policy to enforcing it. And yeah. all of our product was expired. And we were like, oh, this is not going to work. Um, and I remember we were so proud of ourselves. Ben Cummings, when he was doing a podcast, like put our unhealthy snack box in one of his slides. Is This is a great example of of how you uh, take photographs for a kit, um, but the product failed miserably. And then we were like, hey, let's do something we're passionate about. One of my business partners and I were doing keto at the time. And very quickly, we were buying as much product from some of these snack keto snack manufacturers as Whole Foods was. And they were they were like, hey, we, you know, we know you're selling this on Amazon. We sell on Amazon too. We're not doing nearly as much as you are. Help us um, you know, do what you're doing. Um, and so we had some some good initial success with that, um, and we started to lean into that more. And that's actually one of the reasons we looked to sell the the brand is because we wanted to go all in on the agency. What we were doing in in 2019 we actually started in, in 20, late 2018, but in 2019 it picks up, picked up some steam, and we wanted to lean into it all the way. Yeah. So um, three years have passed since uh, you first had, you know, worked with that brand. Are the growth levers the same? Um, and what 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 do you think, you know, was the secret sauce that you were bringing to these brands? That's a really good question, because I feel like in this industry, we all don't uh, take a time to stop and, and look at how things have changed and how you have to approach things differently enough. Um, you know, back then, I think it was a lot easier to rank up quickly. Um, you could do things like giveaways in a variety of different ways, whether it was coupons, rebates, um, and they were all pretty effective. Um, I remember for the Keto Snack Box, we would launch a bunch um, right before, right in October, so that by middle of November, we were on page one for Keto Snacks, which had 100,000 or more searches a month, um, but we couldn't actually compete there due to price any other time of the year, just when you know it's heavy gifting season. You can't really do those things. You can't do those things anymore, like the giveaways, the freebies. No. Um, and so PPC has become way more important than it ever was, you know, before about a year, year and a half ago. I would say that's one of the major changes 
if not the major change. Yeah, there's few, there's few people that like really truly love saying that sentence. PPC is more important than ever. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it, it it's it's the devil that's there. Um, but uh, there's definitely like people that like they're good at it, and um, I you know I'm still trying to optimize on our end and uh, make sure that we don't waste money here. Um, but now, like when we launch products, like, you know, PPC is kind of like your first step to like bring in customers. You can launch and you all, you've always been able to like launch something like, you know, PPC only. Amazon is like friendly to that um, in that you can, you know, you can get rankings. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah, I just had a few things, but without, without, a, without a solid question, um, it, PPC is more important now. What do you think it for for a brand that say that does like you know they're turning the corner around ten million? Like how should they be thinking about PPC? Yeah, so and I don't think this is actually unique to any revenue level necessarily. I think that a lot of people get caught up in not even vanity metrics but global metrics, right? So you hit on it. You have established products. You have new products. And you should have different KPIs that you look at for new products versus established products. So your established products, they have reviews, they're proven. Um, you should be looking at your tacos for that group. And you may even have to put them in subgroups based on category, because for instance, uh, beauty and hydration are very different than a lot of other products, right? I'm just picking two where you, you can't you know, compete with 10% tacos by and large. Um, Whereas, you know, in other categories, you can. Um, and then new products, you know, they're largely driven by advertising at first. Um, the more traffic you get to your brand's pages, the more that you can kind of leverage some cross-selling to get a better lift. But in general, you know, you're, for new sales, you're going to have to, or new products, you have to drive them by advertising. So the KPIs you should be looking at are different. Like, hey, are we seeing, you know, a sufficient return? Are we getting, or the amount of sales that we're getting increasing? Um, organic sales to uh, rel relative to advertising attributed sales increasing over time. Right? So you have to look at different things. You can't just say, okay, is our account operating at a 10 or 12 and a half percent tacos? That doesn't really tell the whole story. So one, I would say it really comes down to, to setting not just realistic goals, but goals that are properly tailored to your product's life cycles. When you say life cycle, uh, is that assuming that some products like end up dying? Uh, yeah, I mean, to, to be honest, we're dealing with that issue with an account right now where they sell jewelry and they haven't come out with new styles in years. And they have a ton of reviews, but advertising is just getting more and more expensive. And what we're seeing is that um, despite our best efforts that their competitors have come out with similar or very similar products for less price for, for a cheaper price, or they have, um, you know, their, their new updated styles that are more appealing to the consumer. So yeah, sometimes, you know, products run their course or something, you know, else comes along that's, that's better or improved. Um, you have to, to keep on innovating to, to yeah. deal with. I mean, um, I've seen a lot of brands that like, you know, it doesn't matter what they do. They're not going to grow revenue 
unless they are launching new products. Like that's just like part of the business that you have to also like, that's part of the growth. You can't just like sit, like we got six SKUs. We're going to live on this forever. Yeah. There's maybe a few brands that can do that, but like for a lot of uh, like jewelry, I think is a great example of like, no, you have to like keep innovating and uh, seeing if, you know, uh, being a little bit on the creative side, because there are those like pseudo copycats who yeah. aren't good on the creative side, but they know the marketing. Sorry, they 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 know the um, you know the how to uh, penny pinch down. Yeah, they they can make that they can emulate and produce the same product for a lower cost and more or less emulate your creative. Yeah, um, and yeah, I I mean to really answer. To, you kind of touched on what are the growth levers as you get bigger and bigger. And the easiest thing you can do is launch new products. Our, our clients that keep on launching products and, and do it methodically and that cut losers efficiently and scale winners are the ones that see the biggest revenue growth. Mm -hmm. uh, and the more, the better process you have for doing that, the faster you will scale revenue. Um, Tell me about, uh, uh, like, what do you mean by uh, process? Like, what, what process sounds actually a little bit complicated and hard because uh, there's a lot of skills yeah. needed. Um, some brands probably just never fully get it. Yeah. Uh, they, they, maybe they don't have enough investment um, or what, 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 what could be a part of it? Yeah, I mean, I, those are real challenges, right? It's easy for me to say launch a bunch of new products, but there's, you know, you need capital, you need the know-how, you need proper uh, sourcing, you need a good factory, you need to make sure it's getting delivered, right? There are all these, and then you need to build all the creative, launch them, et cetera. Um, so there's a lot that goes into it, but at a macro level, um, yeah, you most sellers see that there's you know 10% or 20% of their catalog drives most of the revenue. Um, and so if you're able to just keep on adding, you know, let's just keep it simple. Let's say you can add 10 products a quarter and two are going by the law of averages, two are going to be a winner each mm -hmm. quarter um, or two are going to be winners each quarter. Uh, then by the end of the year, you've added eight you know products. So if you can keep on doing that, eight winning products. So if you can keep on doing that every year, mm -hmm. you know, three wait, years. Wait, um, do you get involved in the, uh, the new product creation, like the idea phase? Sometimes um, it'll manifest in the research process. Like what is the market for this on Amazon currently? Um, or we could do this better. You know, would this sell mm -hmm. kind of thing? Um, that's where we get involved. Um, I, I think you have to be careful. There are a lot of agencies out there that will advertise that they're, they'll find products for you, but I mean, uh, that has to, I, I think you can help the brand, but like a brand should not rely on someone else for the entire thing. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Um, well, um, let's, just, you know, we could probably do an entire podcast on, um, uh, Amazon marketing stream. We talked about it briefly, but like, let's just touch on it. Cause I, uh, you, you mentioned you, you have some experience with it. Um, but I've never talked about it on the podcast. What, what is it, the Amazon marketing stream and like, uh, what, 
new things does it give ability to to to, to brands and sellers? Yeah, so uh, stream, as Amazon calls it, is um, it's essentially a, a day parting feature um, where you can not only uh, pause bids by the hour, but you could increase or decrease them by a percentage multiplier. Um, previously, when you did day parting as an advertiser, you were essentially running experiments and making an educated guess about what worked because Amazon didn't give you the hourly click and conversion data to determine whether or not uh, you know the, the data sets you're getting back were actually reliable. So what that means is if you didn't actually know, you know, a, a customer could click on your ad at 5 a.m. and not buy until 4 p.m. Um, you didn't actually know when the when that occurred and, and you didn't get the attribution data to determine uh, whether or not you should, you know, be yeah. throttling or pulling back at that earlier hour. Um, so stream essentially unlocks all that data for you um, so that you can make those decisions about whether to increase, decrease, pause. There's um, one thing that I've seen from people, some, some smart people of, you know, uh, programmers have been behind the scenes and kind of like, uh, built some insights that they've learned from marketing stream in that the later hours of the day are, are the most profitable. Um, have you seen that? And um, yeah. Um, so uh, to be honest, I am not as, uh, as, right. well, as hands of the keyboard. I will say what we, so we might be seeing that. I would have to go back to our ad team and, and ask them. What we are seeing is um, we're able to really increase efficiency and profitability by utilizing stream and adjusting our bidding to the data that we're getting. We see the best results on accounts that are spending 20K or more a month. It just seems like the extra data that we're getting is more, uh, it's truer for lack of a better way. Like there, there's enough statistically relevant spend to really lean into the data that we're getting back. Yeah. Um, but we're using it on every account to the best we can, best of our ability. Um, well, I, I think, uh, um, I, I agree. Like, yeah, like this type of, uh, data is definitely better and easier for like bigger accounts, but, um, what, what a lot of people see is, you know, there's a lot of caps on budgets. There's some people out there that like, they will pay whatever they can to get to the top uh, spot, but like they've set a budget and they run out. And, you know, if, you do, if you're doing a big enough uh, case study across enough categories, you know, you will see that like, you know, after say 7 p.m., enough brands have run out of budget that like the competition just like just goes down. And so it's the first time that uh, we're seeing insights like this and specifically insights like this on days like Prime Day. So um, very relevant. And I actually don't know um, what's the, if, if someone wanted access to like stream and, uh, you know, because I think Amazon only gives this to developers right now, but like if someone were to like want to like leverage this, like what, what, what's a way? Uh, yeah, so all the major PPC software providers have built the tool in built stream into their tool. Okay, right. Um, yeah, so I mean, you, you would have to evaluate 
you know, PPC software confirm that they offer stream as part of their service yeah. offering. Cool. Um, and yeah, uh, I wait for the day that like Amazon builds this into their own uh, uh, tool, but you know, until then we got to, the, the innovation is happening with service providers. So that's. Yeah. Uh, and they, they partner with service providers to build tech. Um, some of the, the major players are their development teams are working hand in hand yeah amazon to build these features okay um we were chatting uh a little bit about something that i'm actually pretty passionate about because i think it's just in general like under talked about the fact that you know half of consumers at least are just buying from their phones and mobile and but you know when we're building out an amazon store uh building out content we don't build it we build it on our computers and so we're actually always defaulting to think desktop first um but mobile's huge um and so how how do you think about mobile and optimizing for it oh yeah all the time um and if you look at the data on seller central on most accounts you see that most of the sessions the sessions are occurring on mobile the majority of them which is, is data that amazon essentially unlocked I'd say it's about, it's been about six months, uh, give or take a, a few. Um, and yeah, I mean, some of the easy things you can do, um, making sure the beginning of your titles are not only optimized for SEO or they have the most SEO weight, but making sure they clearly identify the product, um, making sure that your main image is also clear, especially if you're in a category where Amazon lets, let, allows you to get away with um, not having your product on a white background. So like an example of that is in home and a lot of subcategories, Amazon will let you, uh, you know, show your product. Like if you have drapes, show them in use or a yeah. set, they let you show it in use. So making sure it's clear from your title and your main image, what your product actually is. And then once you click into the listing, making sure your infographics are legible. I can't, that, that's probably the number one mistake is that the text on infographics is way too small. Um, it's something we've we've systematized to ensure like we don't use fonts of a certain type under a certain size. Um, we essentially have minimum standards so that uh, infographics are legible on mobile. Um, and then you know the shorter the better uh, for copy. That's what Amazon. That's why Amazon's reduced character counts across the board because they find that shorter converts better. Um, and then those same concepts apply to the A plus as well. Uh, just making sure that you know, the content is synced, that the, any graphics that have text, the, the text is legible. Um, yeah, I, I think those are some of the really easy things. Yeah, do. you know, um, you're seeing a lot of people talking about, uh, I would almost say it would amount to like keyword stuffing in, in their copy um, in both title and bullet points. Um, do you think that affects conversion um, in a negative way? If people are like, you know, have, uh, you know, titles that may be a little bit more confusing of like what the product is. Yeah, I, I definitely think it affects conversion. It, yeah, if you, you know, you've been you've been selling for a long time. If you remember, in almost every category a couple of years ago, the character counts for the bullets was five hundred per bullet. Uh -huh. now, most it's a hundred. Um, to me, 
the Amazon doesn't make changes arbitrarily, right? They clearly did research and, and determined, which probably involves split testing and analyzing data that shorter is better. Um, and then, you know, there's just, there's a lot of science out there that block text is hard to read. Um, so when you stuff like that, it just becomes block text, right? When you see it, you see five bullet points that are 500 characters or, or close to it. It's just a wall of block text. Yeah. Your eyes glaze over. I don't read that. Nobody no. reads that. No. And, um, when you get an, um, yeah, there's a reluctance to read stuff that's like selling you. And, but like when you see like it's cadence and it's like very like, I don't know, brief and to the point, like you're more likely to read more. Yeah, um, it gets it's you more down, Yeah, it gets you down a slippery slope of just like, okay, boom, boom. And I, um, I could see how, yeah, that, that would help a lot. Um, well, we've talked about a few different things. And you, you're making, I, mean, I, I kind of helped you make this argument, like it is actually these things that lead to brands um, scaling and, and growing. And um, while it doesn't sound like, you know, a secret sauce, like I've probably covered parts of the, these subjects before, but all of these ultimately, if, you know, someone acts them out, uh, you know, they're going to see more success. Yeah, uh, it, it's about putting all of the parts together, right? Um, and yeah, if you're doing $10,000, $25,000 a month, I'm not here to discourage you and say, don't do these things. But, you know, you're not all of a sudden going to go from 25000 to 250000 right? But if you're at a million dollars a month and you're not doing these things and you start doing them, well, it, it really can have a compounding effect where you can go from a million to 1.25 to 1.5. Um, so it is a little bit unfair in that yeah. regard, but at the same time, if you're doing it right initially as you're building your brand, you'll squeeze more profit out of those initial sales, which you can hopefully then reinvest in adding new products and growing the brand. Yeah. Cool. Well, um, I, I'm starting a new thing where I, I used to ask people like, what's a smart hack they have in life and business. And I'm, I'm going to, I'm switching it over something that's more in tune with, uh, what I actually care about <laughs> and that's, um, tools like, and software, like what people use. So what is your, uh, what's the best tool that you use on a daily basis or maybe that your team uses and, it uh, just to to optimize your business. Um, oh, that's tough. It's a toss up between our internal software and our PPC software. Am I allowed to to choose? Of two? course, yeah. No, I mean, okay. So we've been building our own internal software. Uh, I guess this is the first public announcement of it. Uh, it's called Ambrosia, um, which is a tie into the Nectar. Uh, names, uh, uh, some about Greek gods and mythology, and that I don't know. Anyway, uh, we we have a whole bunch of reports that we run for our internal team, like wasted spend and uh, inventory forecasting for our clients, and so it really just streamlines a lot of what we do to service our clients. So it's a huge time saver. Um, and then you know we we partner with Perpetua to manage advertising. I've used, um, I've used Perpetua for, for years 
actually recently stopped using it. I still think it's like really awesome. Um, and actually I only have positive things to say. Uh, I, I think I, I ruffled some feathers when I uh, said that I stopped using it. No, <laughs> um, I, I think that, so one, we're seeing Amazon release a lot more data, which makes uh, automating bidding easier. Uh -huh. At this point, I believe that machines should be better at automating bidding with the data points available than a human. Um, so we we like that Perpetua takes most of that off our hands. We make a lot of manual bid adjustments still to bid mm -hmm. things up or pause things if they're not working. Um, but then it gives us more time to focus on the strategy, how we're allocating spend to ASINs, the campaigns that we're creating, um, you know, top of search campaigns and how we're executing the strategy, creating more sponsor display and brands campaigns. So we feel like it's a healthy trade-off where it takes care of the really time-consuming stuff like bid management and allows us to focus on growing the account, growing uh, sales and, and doing it profitably. Um, there are pros and cons to every single software. There, Provacho is, is a great software. There's some other great softwares out there as well. There are also a bunch of bad softwares, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to name any of them, but I think that you have to evaluate what is right for your business as well as the cost. I'll have to create another segment. Okay, now what's the worst software out there? Um, that would be funny. Um Okay, cool. Um, hey, Jason, thank you so much for, for coming. Um, uh, you know, you guys have clearly been in the, in the land for a while and that's, uh, you know, leading this, leading an agency to 60 employees is, is no small task. So uh, great job. And uh, I look forward to seeing what you guys uh, continue to keep doing. Thank you very much. I appreciate you having me on. Okay, well, we'll wrap up there. Everyone, thank you for listening. Uh, we'll uh, catch you next week on another episode and uh, have a good one. We'll see you. One, two, three. Yeah!